Hello, I'm Richard Fieldhouse. And I'm Sarah Chambers, and it's been a really busy week here at the NESGP, so we thought we'd give you a roundup of what we've been up to. Um, first of all, Richard's been at a conference, and he's going to give us some insights about some interesting conversations he's had with members and um, what he's been doing there. And then uh, secondly, we've got a new blog from Louise Hudman. She is a fantastic uh digester and reviewer of guidelines and she's just reviewed the hot off the press nice guideline on eating disorders so that we'll finish with that so richard how what 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 happened this week well it's been a busy week for us because we've had a stand we were given a stand at the best practice conference in birmingham so we were there for two days and i gave a talk on the second day yesterday and so it's been it's been um interesting for us to sort of to get our uh, stand together, um, which we're talking uh, to, to mostly about the, the practice platform and, and, and the NESGP. Um, but it's been really good because l- so many conversations with with uh, locum GPs and a few practice managers as well, um, and it's been really nice uh, catching up with some um, locums and salary GPs who I've been or we've been both been chatting to online and, and via email um, and even bumped into uh, y- yesterday uh, a member who's been a member for, for over 15 years oh. <laughs> and, and we've, we've had conversations on the um, on the membership uh, forum and via email and they've even written some articles over the past so it was really good to catch up and put put names to faces as well it's, it feels like a big family in in, in many ways um yeah and and also i i, I had a there's a lot a lot of sad stories as well which mm. is which is always really sad from from some members because obviously and, and quite quite a few members came up to me with issues that they've had not really recently but actually over a long period of time and you know up to you know some even a year or two ago and it's still very very raw um a sense of having been um, sort of abused really by by certain practices that they've worked in um mm. one 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 gp um was telling me about how um they'd actually been using an online booking platform mm. and this 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 platform doesn't allow the locum to have their own terms and conditions they have to use the platform's terms mm. and conditions um it's the practice that pays for the platforms that's probably why but the practices are given a cancel button Mm-hmm. And the practice is allowed to cancel the locum the night before, just oh. no, um, no, no yeah. reason, just a cancellation, um, no cancellation policy, leaving that locum totally stranded, mm. um, and and the platform actually not in any way being able to help or do anything about it. That's pretty which, demoralizing, isn't it? De- and demoralizing, financially, possibly financially the, devastating. Yeah, yeah, you're not cancelling it. A, a table at a restaurant. This is this is this is yeah. This is someone's livelihood. Yeah. This is our livelihood. We're not. We're being treated like um, like products. Like a consumer. This this locum said they felt like they were a consumable. And uh, it's almost. It, I guess it's almost slightly like the zero hours contract. It is. You're on standby. It is. But we can cancel you, and you're left with nothing. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and 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 we seem to be sleepwalking into that. There is. Um, with NHS England's big, big push to get locum banks, to get mm. federations and SDPs to to set up these locum banks, um, which which are heavily platform based, 
and they're not owned by the locum. Mm. Um, and and it redu- it reduces the locum's autonomy, and and uh, as we've said before, the reason why we've got practice with its locum deck is so that it gives the locums total autonomy and full control and flexibility to totally define their cancellation policy. We don't have a cancellation button for practices. No, um, as we know, we don't. Yeah, yeah well, we we we. Well, b- 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 because. Um... Because the booking is with the locum, exactly, and 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 locum deck is just the membrane that, that that's that makes it more transparent and easier to connect. So if if the practices can, I mean, p- cancellations do happen for legitimate reasons and both from both sides. Let's yes. just say that. But I guess, I guess with locum deck, if someone needs to cancel something, they have to do it the the bright way, the proper way, you know, in in person with courtesy and and I think it's that thing that when you actually have to talk to the person directly, it takes on more of the momentum of what you're doing, which is and the human side yes. of it rather than a click of a button, um, and uh, to stop us being products, uh, and and of course between the the locum and the practice are these terms and conditions which the practice which the locum has been able to completely define and the practice has mm. accepted uh, and, and we, we need to we need to keep that going and, and, and get people behind that that concept um, make it really really easy for the practices to book locums mm. um, but really importantly the locum can well, totally it, define that because I, I think that has to be said that that this this drive if you like um, to to uh, you know, manage locums. I think it's partly because locums are sometimes mischaracterised as 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 being, um, you know, destabilising to care or um, costly. All, all none of which we agree with. I have to say, but that's that's some of the noises. But it's also there's a genuine need. You know, it is it can be difficult for practices to find locum cover. So there is that sense that 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 there's an attempt to try and make it easier for practices, but maybe it's gearing it way too much towards the practices without thinking, actually, we're in the middle of a workforce crisis here. Yeah. If, you treat, if you don't balance looking after the practices' needs with the needs of uh, you know, looking after the workforce, you're just going to make that but, worse. But, but some of the other stories I heard, and again, bearing in mind, the actual time period with which these, these particular events happened were, were, were of a matter of sort of days but they happened a long time ago and they are still raw and have completely, you know, for, for, have been consuming these GPs who I spoke to. Um, and, and you know, if, if, if we as an organisation could set up something like the Darwin Award for, um, to, to, you know, as a way of, of, of ultimately taking the NHS out of the gene pool, because the, these were, these, the, these locums I was speaking to were um, really experienced, very bright, very passionate, very on the ball, great experience of working in the NHS and had been working in, in, in this way for many years, even at the same practice, under the same terms for the practice, all of a sudden, um, with a slightly different management structure, to all of a sudden say, actually, um, um, no, we're not going to pay you. That invoice. What you'd agreed. Yeah. What you'd agreed. <laughs> what we'd what we've actually Indeed. been paying for for, for, yeah. for months or years, um, and 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 really these these locums, they they all felt bullied, um, and and 
we're supposed to be uh, as as a, as a profession engaging with the workforce and trying to keep them keep us working and enjoying our work. But if you but if that sort of thing happens to us, we're just not going to want to work in those practices. And these it turned out these practices they were talking about were having really bad recruitment issues. Well, that kind of explains right. it, really. I just I think I I I I think it's recognizing that. Um, that, that, that practices are under pressure and they the people who are behaving that way no doubt felt they were protecting the you know the boundaries of their practice but it's a pretty short term view yeah. it's a pretty short term view if you think that you've probably then turned off a gp from working in your practice again um and i don't know are you going to run out of people that, as 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 evidenced by their recruitment but they're actually talking about it like this it actually segs really nicely with your um your swiss cheese effect um article the other day which is we talk about human factors engineering and in your article you talk you know which is basically don't blame the locum just or just don't blame one person when mm. when if there's something going wrong with, with something going wrong it's lots of different factors involved and i think what happened in these two scenarios that i was chatting to these locums about is that these practices were having i guess financial yes, issues or something yes, so but you, you just don't do it by picking someone to pick on an easy target a soft target um, because it will, it's we're all part of the system, yeah. and if if, yeah. if you make GPs leave, I think if we started with the the, the positive vision, you know, the, the where we'd where we'd probably all like to get to, starting with the end, if you like, is that we would have, um, we would have these wonderful, flexible, well engaged GP locums having um, direct, you know, long lasting, great relationships with practices. Um, so that they they get to 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 work together and trust each other over the years, and there's this pool of um, you know trusted trusted locums who can come and help you out, and you know you, it's mutual benefit. That's that's probably what where we'd like to get to, and this this uh, you know the pressure that people are under in this sort of short term behaviour um, is, is 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 not not great. But we you know this is what practice is about. Yeah, this yeah. is what we're hoping we can kind of promote and achieve and you know i think for it to be locum led um is quite important uh it feels it feels important it's quite unique um uh and actually locum led it reminds me of another um sort of uh, contract we've had with a member this week which is she is a member who's who's new to relatively new to locuming who um has written a wonderful piece describing her experience of working it's like even today didn't in it? a practice yeah. yeah and it just made me think that this is this is why you know a really good example of why locum led is so important and there she is experienced mid-career gp and it's just this working in a practice and this catalogue of small seemingly small things that 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 she couldn't do within the practice things like not knowing how to get an outside line on on their phone system things like not knowing where certain bits of equipment were in the room not knowing where that was kept in the practice not knowing who to ask and how these things just accumulate during a session and uh turn it into a bit of a, a nightmare that a takes up your time and b could be unsafe you know and um 
and and yet this practice had really tried very hard and they had um, the best the best induction pack that you know that, that they that they could offer um and it reminds me so much of what a practice manager once said to me which is you know I don't know what you need to know um because you know practice staff are there they they're working there all the time they know what they know they don't know what you don't know um and that's why these locum led things pointing out um, you know, listening to our observations about how we can all work better flexibly across multiple sites. Uh, I think locums have got a lot to give in, um, in in raising this and offering you know a proactive solution, saying you know here we are, this is what we need to work safely in different practices. You know, come and get it, and that's what uh, that's what practice is really. So with, this, with the standardised practice information um, portal. Yes. And actually, the conference there was a lot of interest in that. Really, well, first of all, because our stand said you just had the the, the the acronym SPIP there, um, and uh, people thought, well, sort of, what the hell is that? But actually, when you explain Sounds what like it spit, is, it's actually. It's <laughs> say it like that. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, and so that so that got some re really good interest as well. Well, I might um, I might do a demo then of SPIP if people are interested. I could. Well, do a, a little, YouTube video. Yeah, yeah. A video just show around and, and see how case studies fit into it because the case study that we've heard from this member is eerily similar to one that I yeah. had that I've actually could. Uh, one of the key reasons we built SPIP anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Also at the conference was was I'm, I, I'm calling him Podcast Guy and <laughs> and uh, and um, <laughs> I hope he's laughing at this because um, I met a really lovely. Uh, uh, chap who who um, who listens who listens to this podcast. So hello there, and um, I did frighten him off though because I went behind the screen and got the microphone. Oh my gosh! And I know I, I should. This is your that. life. Yeah, yeah, and he ran away, and no, he didn't run away. Um, um, so that was a bit intimidating of me. Sorry about that. Um, but no, a real um, a, 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 a request for us. At some stage, and he's going to write in with a with a list of his favourite uh, uh, GP podcasts, and um, and we're going to put something together um, about that great, as well. And, and again, we've got some some more more plans in the podcast area coming soon as well. So yeah, and it was a really good two days. I uh, re really enjoy that. And we've got another um, we've got another uh, uh, type. We've just been asked to speak at the Birmingham Sessional GP. Uh, conference on the 7th of December Fabulous. which we're looking forward to back so back to Birmingham back to Birmingham yeah um and uh, so if you're if you're if you're in Birmingham and are going to that will be good to see you there um and so yeah so we, 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 we're going to talk about are we Louise's, ready for Louise yeah I'll just get the guideline up so yeah as I meant as we mentioned earlier Louise uh, Hudman um is a fantastic member who uh, loves loves uh, keeping her antennae up for new uh, for new uh, guidelines, and she's so prolific that she even has um, her own section on our website. If you go to the NHGP website, look under blogs, you'll see Louise Hudman's name, and there's a whole archive of these really useful guideline summaries that she that she does. Um, very. Um, uh, GP friendly and, and locum friendly and what I love about Louise's guidelines is that she always usually in the first paragraph she says something like there's not much new here and then I read everything and think it's all new <laughs> 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 so, 
<laughs> but this but is... because he's really in, good, good, interesting personal bent on it as well, which yes. I think is really u useful. It's for very us. sort of practice based. You can imagine applying it in a consulting yeah. room. Absolutely. So what what standout things were were new for you well, then? So without reading the whole thing out? No. So so it, nice um, nice eating disorders guideline published in May two thousand seventeen, and Louise's one page summary of it really um like uh i think when we talk about eating disorders obviously there are various different kinds but anorexia is usually the focus because of its you know it's high mortality rate really it is the mother of all eating disorders what's its mortality rate well i louise doesn't mention it here but i've i did some recent learning and i think i heard it quoted as 10 percent um and it is uh, i'm not uh, talking about prognoses i'm not you know too, too sure but i understand it, it, it it's almost considered like lifelong and, and a relapsing uh, condition but also when it's at such an early stage of life often it's in, in you know yes usually so it can happen adults. at any age but yes often yeah so it doesn't go too much into the uh, i won't speak too much about that because i don't feel sort of expert enough to, hmm. to talk about that but yeah so louise goes on about how you how you might spot it so there there isn't sort of any age to it but um adults as well as, as younger people there's a great test she mentioned yeah i never heard of this so this is um uh, you know assessing patients who you think might be coming quite unwell um and as you can imagine it's the the pulse and and blood pressure because of the cardiovascular effects of the electrolyte disturbances you can get blood tests um ecgs because people can get this long qt interval and then there's this test this sort of consulting room test is the the sit uh, uh sit up uh sit up and stand up squat <laughs> am i saying this right to sit maybe... up stand and squat test sus Yes, yeah, so you Sus. get so you get them to lie down. It's brilliant. She describes it because yeah. it's quite hard otherwise. You, 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 what's so, your take on it? So get the patient to lie down. Mm -hmm. Then then they sit up. I guess on the couch, obviously sit up. I'm not sure because then they've got to stand up. And then they've got to stand up, and then they've got to squat down, and then stand up again. See, I pictured it being on the floor because they've got to squat down, and then you you score each part of that. And a, a score of less than two. Um, it, it's a, I, I guess it's a, it's a bit like older people. I guess when you're assessing their gait, it's a general muscle strength, um, cardiovascular, uh, general general test of your well-being. Yes. Yeah. And 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 basically, the, the, if there's any, if they have to show any difficulty in doing that, really quite quite easy test. It should be for a healthy person. Mm. Then then they then you they, you need to refer them. Um, and then one thing that Louise says in this is that if if you suspect an eating disorder you refer them it's easier said than done isn't it oh yeah let's not even go there i mean yeah. depending what part of the country you yeah. are but but we know it's pretty can be pretty patchy over wide parts of the country um yeah so um just 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 scan, scanning down louise talks about the um you know the uh, assessing people with with possible severe anorexia and the use of the marzipan um risk assessment tool do you know what that stands for no i don't it stands for so it's a, a managing really sick patients with anorexia nervosa 
and this is a, a and there's a link through to to the guideline and it's a, a guideline by uh, produced by three colleges the physicians psychiatrists and pathologists yeah and it's it's it is sort of more of a, i think a an inpatient uh, yeah, yeah. For assessing when people need refeeding, but it's a sixty-page some... document, which yes. is why I, did, I, I saw the bit about pathologists and and sixty pages. And I thought actually this isn't for general practice. Uh, well, I looked at it and it said the recommendations are uh, the overall recommendations in the marzipan document are the role of primary care is to monitor and refer early. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh gosh, there's that refer early thing again, which you know we'd all love to do, obviously, because early intervention really helps. Um, but um, I know that's that's well, unless we they're factoring in the fact that we have to refer early because the damn referral process takes so long mm. that by the time they mm. get there, it's, it's weeded some out, mm. as it were. But the marzipan guideline was developed for the fact that um, obviously you, it's a mixed psychological, psychiatric. Uh, and and medical illness. I mean, when people are are under underfeeding and undernourished, they they're getting the meta, the medical consequences. Mm. And what was happening is that um, people were being referred into medical units without the full understanding of the implications of underfeeding or overfeeding and getting this refeeding syndrome. So you know, people were dying. And so this is this is where this guideline sort of comes in. And it's brilliant that it's this mixed college response to that. You so. mentioned refeeding syndrome. Oh yes, yeah. so um, this is uh, a syndrome where you get uh, in someone that's been really starved, and then they're they're refed. Um, uh, they can get ma- massive rapid shifts, electrolyte shifts, and uh, low phosphate being the one to watch for. And this has sort of neurological and and cardiovascular consequences. So, in someone that's had a long and in fact the marzipan guideline talks about you know if you're referring someone urgently that you're worried about yeah and they have been starved for a long time and they're starting to re-eat you know daily monitoring of their electrolytes which is quite again quite a scary prospect but I we're think, talking here care. about about very about, sick tr- yeah very sick people very fit people with rapid weight loss and yeah. um, so we wouldn't be managing this no we wouldn't and I, I you know i think if someone was that unwell we would be probably talking to the medics wouldn't we mean but, mean. Yeah. yeah yeah but i guess there's people <clears throat> who might be sort of a bit in the middle where they're not um an emergency medical mission but you're you're kind of wanting to watch their their weight and their bloods pretty carefully mm. and it's the phosphates in particular and um i mean i think the most usual it's quite rare but i think the most usual thing would be that the phosphate goes low whilst the person that and they really need to be seeing specialist eating yeah, yeah. disorder services for this but um physical things would be um things like edema the the bradycardia um electrolyte you know ecg abnormalities and long qt intervals yeah and acute confusional states is it long qt intervals that causes sudden cardiac yeah you get your uh uh, what's that one torsade de pont when you get the rapidly seesawing ventricular fibrillate you know vf is next and then arrest okay torsade de pont yeah i'm writing this down torsade yes Um, so, so really, really great for fact. And, but, but I'm re- I'm reading the guideline, and I'm always thinking of people that I've seen or being in that consulting room, and and seeing um, a, a person who seems to be um, thin or losing weight, and they seem preoccupied by their weight. And of course, there's always that thing you think, well, I, I, this could be serious, and I, I want to do the right thing. I want to refer them early. But actually, there's quite a lot of people who are preoccupied about their weights out there. Yeah. And it's the 
determining when is this an eating disorder and when is this, um, you know, and I'm not talking here about the severely physically ill people. I'm talking mm. about the person where there may be you're just getting as a GP, you're just getting that little glimpse, uh, especially as a locum GP, where you might be meeting them for a one and only time. Yeah. You get this little glimpse and you don't quite know where they stand on the pathological spectrum. Well, that's and, kind of what one of the things I enjoy about being a locum is you do get to see a, pa a snapshot of a patient with with with. with because I, I, over the years I found I have been able to pick up things that the usual doctor hasn't picked up because they've they've been they haven't noticed that gradual decline mm. um, and then but as a locum you've seen them for the first time you think gosh you are yeah. underweight those are baggy clothes you're wearing mm. um, oh, perhaps I mean I my 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 approach is if I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about people that I've seen like this. I would probably, obviously, if I'm set, I would be thinking of documenting their weight hmm. and their height. I would be thinking about documenting a little about what's going on in their life, about what they're thinking about food and, and their weight. And I know from other places, Louise doesn't mention this, and I don't know what she would think of this, but I know for adults there's this... It's very much a screening tool. It's not a diagnostic tool, but the SCOF, you know, the five question SCOF questionnaire, which is SCOF, you know, S stands for do you ever feel sick or bloated after That's eating? That's right. And why do we have these acronyms? Like SCOF and Marzipan. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember the um, the old <laughs> casualty world, well, the phoning up the um, phone line for the um, drug overdose was always suicide is painless. Do you remember that? No. From, uh, yeah, it was. It was, it was this that music was from MASH. No. Yeah, anyway, sorry, the, go on. Scoff. So scoff, if you if you've heard of it, learn loss loss of control over over your eating. The O, I think, is have you lost one stone over the last month? And then the F, the two Fs are things to do with food. Um, uh, uh, do you feel fat when other people tell you you're thin? Um, and do you feel that you're you know, you're obsessed with food? So, and if they've got sort of two or more of those, it's a possibility that they're they might be so if you're presented with someone who okay. you're wondering and I, so i don't know how that sits with young people i don't know what louise would say whether that appeared in the the massive nice uh, nice guideline or whether they scoffed at it i don't know but um that's that's so that's what i think and then i think i think the thing about de determining who's a person who's kind of in the magazine culture of being wanting to be slim and who's got an eating disorder I think it would be weight loss. So, uh, I mean, and we're just talking about anorexia here. There are other eating disorders, mm. but talking specifically about the the biggie, the the one with the high mortality, anorexia. Um, it would be the weight loss if you're talking about anorexia. So I think, and it would be weight loss over consecutive weeks, um, a weight loss over a period of time. So I, if a I was kilogram a local, well, that would be very week? severe. That would be kind yes, of that's true. That would come under severe. Hotline to, did say that. Hotline to the hospital. Yeah, but, but that squat test would be a good one. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, you would do but weight, height, blood pressure, squat test. Again, I think that's when they're pretty ill. The squat test um yeah. and then and then and then maybe maybe the scoff questionnaire put that together and i think i would be um saying that they should be back within the next week or two to see a named gp um to record their weight again and i would be probably um noting that uh, handing that patient over very carefully to one the, to the named gp in the, in the practice making sure i've got the phone number of the patient actually as well if it's a young person yeah. and their, their own actual contact phone number so that if they're not appearing um they can maybe be followed up uh because it, yeah the interve early intervention does help and then louise talks about just you, you know you will there will be an uh, people who've had 
anorexia who've had eating disorders who are being solely managed by their GPs if they're not in a time of severe relapse or they're not having any other treatment they might be coming in for full review and the, the, the guideline is at least annual review and it's you know it's the pulse it's the it's the blood pressure it's the weight bloods if necessary ECG if they've had any rapid weight changes recently and I just think the longer term things I think I always sum them up as bones uh, teeth and heart really and just watch out for medications that might affect the QT interval is it Citalopram recently that's been not, yeah, not, uh, rings a bell I, I should know, know this do, but there's, a, there's yeah. a list of four of them aren't there Were I there? seem to remember from a recent talk but no they, they weren't no, they oh, mentioned in macrolides uh, your macrolide antibiotics do they affect your QT interval yeah, they, 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 and grapefruit will be on there as well somewhere, won't right, it? Definitely. Always is. Um, um, is on, on bones, there was something, the guideline was saying that um, is, is, is after a diagnosis of um, anorexia is to do, do a bone scan after a year or two years, for, a year for a young person or two years for an adult, and then annually wow. thereafter, right. um, whilst, whilst they're underweight. Well, obviously, when they get back, Oh, see. These patients get back to normal weight. I guess that they they don't have the well, condition I, anymore. I don't know. I, th I I that's an interesting one to dig out. Actually, that one might need a little bit more examination because I, my understanding was that, especially if it's been in a young person's life and they they. I mean, we're talking young people. I guess we're talking kind of the thirteen to eighteen year age. Group. I guess. Um, I think that's the definition. Nice use. Um, that their their long term bone health can be it can take some time if to recover if at all so mm. maybe the younger people we might need to just um, clarify that a bit more yeah 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 okay. well the the another thing I, I know i quite like it's just simple pragmatic advice about dental care and and, and, and particularly obviously with the bulimic patients is is not cleaning your teeth after vomiting Oh, yes, with um, the acid, yes, of yeah, course. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, that's, that's why you shouldn't clean your teeth within half an hour of orange juice, apparently. Oh, dear, that's me, breakfast. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that was interesting, too, and the increased incidence of miscarriage was another thing I picked up. Another advice is to stop exercise. Really? That must be hard, yeah. Is that, a, is that do you think, because of, of, of impact on bones and joints, or...? Or more to do with just losing more weight. Well, again, I I, I wasn't I wasn't clear if that's long long term advice or if it's in the acute phase. Um, because obviously another part of it is is the excessive exercise, part of the obsession with yeah. calories and yeah. yeah. Okay, well that's been really good to talk through with that. I've learnt lots more. If you're listening to this, I would when you're next on the NESGP website, I would suggest. Um, even with the next half an hour as well, if, you're, if you've got the time, is pop over to the appraisal aid section of the website and there you will find um, um, 20 different downloadable, customizable templates. And we've got a template for, for um, listening to um, or, or attending an education event. And it's, it, it's, it's basically it's 10 boxes which, you, which we take you through. You can fill those in and as you go along, it helps you to record any reflections. And reflections is... Um, one of those things that people either love or hate, but I sad it's one of those things that's necessary yes, for appraisal. Yeah. But this takes you through it in a very non-painful way. And by the time you've filled in all ten boxes, you've recorded evidence of reflection. Yeah. Um, and then you can then upload that to your favourite appraisal uh, d uh, system toolkit. toolkit um, because appraisal aid isn't a toolkit. It's a it's a way to help you collect evidence 
for your toolkit. Um, it's all not, there on the internet. Not and, yet. Anyway. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> but but do do use it, and um, and and, and it's, uh, it's it's it, it, a lot of people do use it. So. I, I, I will put a vote for appraisal aid because um, I just had my appraisal a couple of weeks ago and I used the, the templates on the website and all I and my uh, I just uploaded them and in the toolkit wrote C supporting document and that was my appraisal. It was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you again, Sarah. And um, we will. Uh, we, we've got the next. Um, uh, article from Louise, which was out in a couple of weeks, is uh, a review of endometriosis. Wow. Good. Thank so you, Louise. Thank you. Cheers.